Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of The Christian Contrarian. I'm Gary Wayne, author of The Genesis 6 Conspiracy, and this is episode 34, The Serpent Seed, part 2, The Tree in Eden. In the last show, in part 1, I covered off that I'm not necessarily against the concept of Cain being the offspring of Satan and Eve. And certainly we get the notion of the spirit of Cain as it surfaces in the New Testament as being something we need to understand and recognize. But for me, we need, we need smoking gun verses in scripture that can support what we're saying. And we just don't seem to get that with Cain. And so Genesis 3.15, the serpent seed, where the title comes from, that is going to be at odds with the offspring of Eve throughout this age until the completion of the end time, is probably better fulfilled with the giants created by the watchers or the sons of God in Genesis 6, because we do get that smoking gun verse. And these would be the seraphim angels which were serpent-faced angels who are the watchers in Genesis 6 and who produced giants Nephilim that look just like them and that's why we have serpent gods throughout ancient history both before and after the flood. That's why you have kings associated with serpents and all the monarchies of that time associated with serpents. So it makes sense that that is likely the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 as opposed to Cain being the offspring of Satan, the serpent, as Revelation uh, 12 describes Satan as a serpent and a dragon, which is the seraphim angel aspect of, of Satan, one of his many titles and, and uh, names, I think. And, but we just don't have that scripture. So last show we covered off that we have a literal verses in Genesis 4 1 that suggests that uh, strongly that Eve and Adam had Cain as a son and we covered off all the details of that where it says Genesis 4 1 and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. So she got a blessing from the Lord after uh, knowing her husband. We walked through all of those meanings uh, in, the, in part one. And we also talked about, though, there's, this, there's these parts that the serpent seed doctrine proponents will seize on. And we need to respect their arguments and sort of analyze that. And we talked about the name Cain, 7013, meaning Adam's first child, and the root word for Kenites, and the root word for Kenizzites, and it can mean smith, and it can mean possession. 
And so we have that possible meaning. And as we talked about in the last chapter, that Hebrew words can have many meanings, just as Greek words do. So we have to select the right word for the narrative so it doesn't contradict anything else in the narrative or other passages so that everything is fits like a glove. And so when we look at that, that's a possibility that, you know, they received that as an adopted child from Satan because his name can mean a possession. And Cain is rooted in 7069 Kana, which means acquired, create, buy, possess. And so the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for gotten in Genesis 4, 1, I have gotten a man from the Lord, is that word kana. So we need to understand that in the context of the narrative. So we do know that um, Adam knew his wife, she conceived, and bare Cain. That's the whole creation of the process. And that son was Cain. And it says, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Well, what we're asked to believe is, is that God decided to take the baby away from Satan and then give it back to Eve. Well, we don't get any details on why that would have happened and how that happened. Or we're to understand that Eve acquired the child, which would be more appropriate to the serpent seed uh, definition of what's going on is would have received the baby through sexual copulation with God which we know God doesn't do God only says through his word and it is and provides the life through his spirit and life exists so gotten from man is or gotten a man from the Lord is a blessing from the Lord through their ability to uh, have sex and conceive and then through the pregnancy cycle, produce a child. That's the blessing. And we talked about that as being a blessing. So I wanted to just sort of close that door a little bit more because we left a little bit of light on there. But if it was just that, you could see how they, somebody could sort of clamp onto that, even though that would be right out of context with the right narrative. So we're going to move on now to Genesis uh, 3. And talk about the tree and we're going to keep those, these concepts alive and and as we walk through with the understanding that you have to select the right meaning you have to make sure it does not conflict with the narrative that it's in in the immediate sentence and the rest of the narrative of the chapter or other chapters that's the standard for the literal application so that you're not getting into an allegorical usurping of the narrative against everything else that is written. It has to fit. It has to fit like a glove. So in Genesis 3, 1, uh, 3, 1 through 6, we get sort of the main sort of words that uh, are going to be talked about and used in this. And the key words that we're going to be talking about are the words um, tree and food, and garden, and tree, and the fruit thereof. And we're going to cover off those and a couple other as we walk through Genesis 3. But we're not going to deal with the serpent aspect today. We're going to deal with that in part 3. So the tree in Genesis 3, 6 was good for eating. 
and there was a fruit of the tree. And just to give you an idea how strong this literal understanding is before we get into the, the meanings of the word, it was good for eating. And eat is used in Genesis 3, 14 times. All in the understanding of eating. And garden is used seven times. So you had a tree in a garden that produced fruit that was good for eating. And we have tree that's used eight times in Genesis 3 and the fruit of the tree three times. So you have to take all of that into account as we start to dive into this. So the tree was good for eating. That's the Hebrew word makal which means fruit, meat, baked goods, things like that, things that are eatable. The tree was good for eating. It's really, really quite clear that eating is a word that means to consume food. Nowhere in there does it say anything about sex. And you're going to have, uh, for the literal side, there's going to be several words that don't have a connection to sex whatsoever. And so food would, would be one of them. And you also have uh, the tree, which is the word that uh, it comes from ets. Sorry about that. Um, and it means a tree, a wood, sticks, or timber, planks, so things that come from the tree. So literally, this is a tree. And it produces a fruit. And it was good for eating. And this tree was in a garden. And garden is the word gan, which means enclosed fence, or a garden, or an orchard. So you have in Genesis 2, like 2.9 and 2.16 and 2.17, is you have this garden of trees where all of them are, or many of them are producing fruits and they're good for eating. They're good, they're good for food, just as Genesis 3.6 says. And in Genesis 2.16 and 17, God tells Adam and Eve that you can eat of any of the trees in the garden, but in Genesis 3 we're told there's one you can't eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But it was still good for eating as Genesis 3, 6 says. So it's a tree that produces a fruit and it's good for food. It's good for eating. And it's also good for producing knowledge, which we will come back to. And so this, this orchard also included the tree of life, which Adam and Eve are going to be separated from after the fall, that they can no longer eat from the tree of the fruit of life. And so they won't be immortal in the physical world. They, may, they will live a long time, but they will not be immortal. And as long as they had access to the tree of life, things would continue, but after breaking the one law that God gave Adam and Eve, they're banned from, uh, the, uh, from the garden. And so all of the context is suggesting that this was an orchard that had a lot of trees. And there's 
crops that are going to be growing in, growing in there as well, but we don't want to focus on that. We're focusing on the tree of the, with had the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam also ate from this tree in Genesis 3.12. And what's interesting about that is if Adam ate from the tree, as Eve did, then one would have to think that Adam had sex with Satan as well. I suppose with a changeling possibility that, that's possible, but there was no offspring produced from Adam. It's from Eve. And so if Adam ate from the tree and Eve ate from the tree, and this is a sexual copulation that's happening with Satan or forced sexual copulation with Satan, then one would have to say that Adam also had sex with Satan, which clearly doesn't seem to be the case. And when we look at that word eat, that's the word akal. To mean eat, eaten, eatest as it's used for, to consume, to feed. And what you don't get in any of the meanings of the word eat is anything that has a reference allegorically or literally to sex. It's literally to consume something, to consume food because the fruit was good for food and knowledge, not sex. And in Genesis 3.17, the serpent is going to eat the dust. And then as you move on in 13 and 19, Adam and Eve are going to have to eat bread and herbs and things from the field once they leave Eden. And so eat is used consistently with the understanding of that uh, eat and food are inter intricately related and they're connected as it talks about eating and food all the way through. So um, it takes a lot to override that aspect of it. And as we talked about, it makes sense that the tree produced a fruit because there was more fruit trees. It was an orchard. It's the, it's the word garden that is used seven times in Genesis 3. So again, if you're going to say this is a sexual act, you have to accept Adam had a sexual act. You have to override the meanings of the word tree, the word food, the word eaten, and the word fruit although fruit will have a connotation that we're going to cover off in a few minutes. But you can't do that. There's no sex involved in any of these words in terms of the, the word trees and eating that we just talked about. And plus, the tree of the fruit was also good for knowledge. So you eat the tree you receive you eat the fruit of the tree you receive the knowledge but again no sort of connection to sex and as we move forward with 
some of some of the other words and meanings that are in this narrative. We need to understand that again, we need to overlay the meaning that fits the narrative and doesn't contradict with the rest of the narrative. So the word uh, good for the words you know good for eating and for knowledge to make you wise wise is the Hebrew word sakal uh, in Genesis 3 6 meaning intelligent wisdom and receiving insight so you have a logical flow of the words on the narrative level that makes sense with an action and something received from that action you pick the fruit you eat the fruit it's good for food, it gives you nourishment, and it also provided knowledge. But again, nowhere do you have in here uh, a meaning or an allegory that you can use for sex. It was good in Genesis 3.5 and 3.22 for the knowledge of good and evil, so that they would be like God, which was the great lie that the serpent uh, made. So, with all of that, let's now look at where some of the confusion starts to enter in with a lot of the serpent seed arguments. And so that we want to be able to understand where they're coming from, but we want to be able to analyze it. Does that fit? And that's really the key here. So, when we get into some of these key words, the first word is fruit. And just as we talked about the fruit, I mean, it's used uh, as the fruit of the tree three times. Okay? Which makes sense, fruit of a tree. And tree doesn't mean sex. But fruit is that Hebrew word pri, P-R-I-Y. And it's used you know, over a hundred times for fruit and fruits and fruitful. And fruitful is where it starts to get interesting because that means to multiply an allegory for, for sex. And it can mean fruit or produce or allegorically it can mean um, to, to have offspring, progeny of the womb. And it's rooted in the Hebrew word para, 6509. And that means to bring forth, to grow, to be fruitful. So you have an allegorical meaning to the word fruit and fruitful, which if it was consistent with the rest of the narrative for having sex, you would say, okay, that's not a fruit. That fruit that she's going to eat is having sex. Except that eat has nothing to do with sex. The tree has nothing to do with sex. The fruit, it means 100, over 117 times is fruit and fruits, and two times for fruitful. So you can use it, but does that fit with the context? I think not. And Fruit is also used uh, in Genesis and fairness in Genesis 1, uh, 22 and 28 and 9, 1 to be fruitful and to multiply. Okay, as I said, it's used 
a few times for fruitful in that notion of creating. But that's not what's going on at this point in time. We don't get anything about uh, uh, sex until Adam knows Eve in Genesis 4. So the chronology is not there. That happens after the Eden account. It's not detail of what happened in Eden. All of that happens after Eden. And again, you have to understand the chronology and how things fit. And so after the fall, then Adam and Eve produce Cain and Abel, and then later Seth, and then all of the, their other offspring. Now also in Genesis 3.6, the word pleasant comes up, that the fruit was pleasant. And that's the Hebrew word trava, which means a delight a dainty or desire, and lusting or covenous. And literally as pleasant one time that it's used. So again, we have a meaning here that uh, it was pleasant and it can be used in that allegorical sense as in lusting and covetous. But it can also be a delight or a dainty, good for food. And it was consumed. So if you didn't have all of that 14 times of eating in Genesis 3, you might be able to use that. But again, does that fit? And does that fit even if you fit that with the word fruit? You still have to deal with eat and tree and garden, as opposed to none of those words having an association with sex. And it was to be desired. And that's the Hebrew word hamad. And that's delight in beauty, as in a delight, right? That we just talked about for the meaning of pleasant. And it is also meaning pleasant, as it's described as described in 3.6, that the fruit was pleasant. And it can also mean covet or uh, desired. So again, you have a few meanings in terms of the word desire. And was it desirable for sex? Perhaps, perhaps not. We get covetous. But just because you desire something doesn't mean that it's not desirable for knowledge, which it was, and for eating, which it was. So again, you don't really get that direct connection, but it's used in combination with pleasant to and covenous and then fruitful as in, you know, producing more offspring. Trouble is it goes against all the other descriptions of what is actually taking place in, uh, in the Garden of Eden with, with, the, uh, with the eating of, of, of the fruit. And so when we look at what is going on in Genesis 3 and the narrative, it's all about God saying to Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree of this orchard in the garden in Eden. That's told to them in Genesis 2. So it's going to sustain them for food. And they're also going to grow some crops. And they're, they're an agrarian startup for Adam and Eve. 
And then Genesis 3, they're not permitted to eat from this one tree of the garden that produces fruit. It produces a fruit that has the ability to provide knowledge. Okay? And the knowledge that it provides has nothing to do with sex. But it's that they're not to eat from this tree because if they do, they won't be able to eat from the other tree that is really important to them, the tree of life, to sustain an ongoing immortality. And so this is about God saying to them, you can eat of all of these trees. That doesn't mean they were having sex with all of these types of trees uh, and that the trees are an allegory for all of these different fallen angels and this was happening over and over and over and over. You can see where that starts to get sort of out of, out of hand when you start using an interpretive basis. This was food that God was providing in the, Eden, in, in the Garden of Eden for them and there was one tree they couldn't eat of that had fruit that produced knowledge. And Satan even concurs through coaching the serpent. Because the serpent says, if you eat of that tree, you're going to be like God. He didn't say if you eat of the tree, that means we're having sex. He says, if you eat of the tree, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. And they already had immortality by eating from the tree of life. Except that by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's going to void their access to the tree of life because they're going to be ostracized from the garden in Eden. So as you walk through all of it, you have the ability to select some interpretive meanings, but it starts to make no sense with the rest of the narrative. And it then starts to contradict what is talked about in Genesis 4 with the lineage of Cain and how that comes about. And one presumes then, because the language is the same, is that they would have had to do the same for Abel. Because that, that's how the narrative discusses in similarity the creation of Abel with the creation of Cain. Just as it's the same words of no, conceive, bear for Enoch that Cain has with his wife. Or are we to say that all of the progeny of Cain were received from the same actions, except that we don't get those fruit allegories in Genesis 4, only in Genesis 2 and 3, and we don't have a clear path to that. In fact, it contradicts it. And with the, with the birth of Seth, further in Genesis 4, it's the same language again. So then we'd have to believe that Seth was a creation of Satan and Eve. So you see how it, ha it doesn't flow. It flows with the literal understanding and the correct application of these words and not the incorrect application that is used to usurp uh, 
the meaning of the sentence that it's in, the verse that, that it's in, and the chapter that it is in, and then the rest of the Bible. And so those, those key words are fruit, pleasant, and desired. So you have to select the correct meaning for those words. So fruit is going to be the literal fruit or produce, not offspring. It's going to, you're going to select for pleasant that it was um, a delight, a dainty, and pleasant, as it's used literally one time, as opposed to lusting or covetous. And desired, as in delight and pleasant, that's confirming the word pleasant, that it was a fruit good for eating. So I don't want to become too redundant on this, but I did want to underline how one has to approach scripture in a literal sense. And particularly if you're going to back to the Hebrew words, you have to be very, very careful. And if you're not aware of the different possible meanings and you don't take the time to analyze the meaning of the word and how it fits in the narrative, how it fits in the sentence, how it fits in the rest of the Bible with other relative verses, then you're easily distracted or deceived into saying, hey, that's a possibility. And again, as I said, it may be a possibility, but not from the scripture that we're provided. And that's the real key. So in chapter three, we're going to get into the serpent aspect, which again is going to pour uh, a lot of doubt on the concept that it was actually Satan who would have had sex with Eve uh, from the serpent seed aspect. But we're not going to get into the detail of that now. So I want to thank everybody for listening. And if you uh, want to get a hold of me and get some more information on this, I don't have a document for it yet. I'll formulate a document for the whole series over the next 30 days or so. So um, if you do get a hold of me wanting that information, I'll make a list of your names and your emails and I'll, I'll send that out when I'm when I'm done it. Uh, completed the, the documentation. But if you're looking for other information or other documents, you can get a hold of me through my website at the Genesis6conspiracy.com, Genesis6 with the number 6, conspiracy.com. And if you like some of the things that uh, I'm talking about and you're interested in my book, and I do cover this a lot in my book, um, I give a generous excerpt on all 98 chapters uh, on the website. And there's an email there to contact me and you can buy a signed copy from me on the website or you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or get the Kindle edition. And you can also contact me under Gary Wayne uh, on Facebook. And until next time, this is the Christian Contrarian saying goodbye and uh, may God uh, continue to bless all of you abundantly. Thank you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.